Hello and welcome back to We Are The University, the podcast about the people who make Cambridge University unique. I'm your host, Jenny Haywood. In this episode, we talk to Ibrahim Rahman about how he's been raising money for Cambridge City Food Bank and helping Muslim families struggling with hardships during the pandemic. We also talk about his journey from Wimbledon to the social media team at the university and how he's been using his expertise to help Cambridge Central Mosque engage with the community during lockdown. So you're involved in a couple of sort of community-based projects. Uh, yes, so one of them is the Cambridge City Food Bank Appeal, and this emerged shortly after the lockdown happened, really. Uh, so that's an initiative that I've been part of alongside my uncle and my mother, uh, who are all Cambridge residents. And uh, this kind of came about from just doing our usual shopping, really, and us seeing at the time when the shelves were empty. And, mm. uh, and, and we were thinking that... If, if here we are struggling to find things that we need, what could it be like for those who were perhaps reliant on food banks? Mm. Uh, of course, we realised that it, the, the reliance on food banks is going to be even greater. Um, so, and I think also because we, um, because of that, that's why we felt that we needed to do something. Yeah. And um, and so we came up with the idea of creating this fundraising initiative. So we took it upon ourselves to create our own page and speak to the food bank about what we could do to help and. And uh, yeah, thankfully, we've seen an amazing response from people. Those people have come forward. We've seen um, so many donations. So, so many donations come in. We've yeah. had about uh, over fifteen thousand already to date. Wow! Uh, and with gift aid, we've got uh, just over eighteen thousand. So it's been an amazing response. And I just want to use this opportunity as well to thank everybody uh, who has supported this appeal and you know, to hopefully help um, alleviate some of the hardships that people in our community are facing at the moment. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's a, a fantastic amount that's been raised. That's a, a wonderful response. Yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. But but also, as you mentioned, a second um, fundraiser that we've also been part of is the Cambridge Muslims COVID-19 response. <laughs> so this kind of emerged from the first one, where um, when we spoke to um, the director of the Cambridge City Food Bank, and we asked them, did you know if there were any Muslims who were going to visit there uh, mm-hmm. in terms of... Um, you know, asking for certain essentials and, and uh, food products. And we found out that a lot of Muslims weren't going there. There were very few who did, uh, or they were just none at all. Yeah. And um, and we kind of did some research into why that might be the case. And, of course, most people would prefer to have their halal food, really. And that was the case where we found out the, the food banks, they weren't necessarily catering for for, for Muslims in that way, right. um, and and there's reasons for that, of course. It depends on what you get given, really. But um, mm. but this is where we thought, well, maybe we needed to come up with a separate project and see what we could do to help them. So this appeal was particularly focused on basically just providing for halal food for individuals and families in Cambridge who have been afflicted by COVID-19. Yeah, and uh, and so that's been something that we've been working on for some time, and we've had. Uh, £5,500 um, accumulated on the page to date so far. So again, it's been a really positive response. And uh, one organisation who we're also working alongside is the Cambridge Ethnic Community Forum, and uh, they're supported by the Cambridge City Council. So they've also been helping us to um, you know, bring forward people who need that support. Yeah. And um, so they've been able to go through these cases carefully and to be able to uh, pass on these referrals to us. And some of them have come from like those who are refugees, for example, who oh, right. really need that help and that support. Yeah. So then coming forward and then passing that on to us where we can then speak to those families or those individuals and ask them what they need and how we can provide those essentials to them. Mm. 
and then it just comes down to those food parcels or you know, going to a, a local grocery who are also working within Cambridge and they're able to provide those essentials that um, that these people are needing. Yeah. Uh, so it's been an amazing effort. Everyone's coordinated it really well and you know, fortunately we've been in a position to be able to again alleviate some of the hardships that uh, some of these people in Cambridge are facing at the moment. Yeah, what a wonderful project. Do you know how many how many families have been helped so far through that? Yeah, we've had over 20 families uh, so far that have been helped mm-hmm. and we've had a lot of food parcels that have gone out to those people as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so far we've had uh, over 20 families and I think how another reason how this all started um, was from one family who approached, um, I think it was my mother at the time, mm-hmm. uh, she spoke to my mother and saying that she needed help and that's where we felt that there were likely to be more people out there who needed this support and yeah. we, but we, weren't, we didn't know um, we weren't hearing about them. and it's difficult because not everyone we know from our community like particularly in Cambridge that not everyone who necessarily needs help will speak out and say that they are because yeah. there's the case of they feel ashamed they feel a bit shy they feel like you know it's that sort of you lose that sort of sense of dignity really that's how some people feel about it so but we're trying to encourage that look you know we don't want anyone to feel that way if you genuinely need help then please do speak out we're here to help you mm-hmm. and we just want to show that yeah we are here and we'll do our best to support you in whatever way we can and there are others in the community who are also um, willing to do the same yeah so you know fortunately people have understood that message and it's just a matter of anyone else who can help to support just to look out for their neighbors as well in the community you know, if there is someone that you know who is local to you very close to you who might be struggling just reach out to them yeah. i know it's been difficult because of lockdown measures but um but there are ways in how we can do that um through you know, using the telephone using email and using social media there's so many other ways digitally that we can um, utilize you know, we're just trying to basically get that message out there to people just to look out for one another and uh, and i think we have seen um, despite the difficulties that we've faced for all of us of course we have seen lots of very heartwarming stories yeah. and um, i think that's been really encouraging despite the, uh, the difficulties that we're facing right now yeah absolutely and especially at the moment community is so important isn't it Absolutely. Yeah, very important. But uh, yeah, like I said, you know, there have been uh, lots of very positive stories and uh, I'm sure we'll remember them for a very long time once things do pass. So. Yeah. It sounds like a real um, family project with your uncle and your mum involved as well. What's it What's it been like working with your family on something like this? Well, um, we've been working with, um, you know, we've been working together for quite a while on a lot of things, really. So, you know, naturally, we've been doing quite a lot of things on a professional level together, particularly with me and my mother, um, you know, with her background as a published author. So I've generally done quite a few things in terms of, um, you know, helping her out with her social media and other media activities. Um, but obviously, with this one, this is slightly different because it's a fundraising initiative. Um, but, uh, but you know, we, we kind of had the idea of what each person would do. And I knew exactly how I would contribute to the appeal in terms of using my social media knowledge and expertise. And, um, and it's just been a matter of, okay, I've, I've written some text here. You can use this to circulate amongst your connections, your networks. And for, thankfully, we've seen people respond to that through their donations and through spreading awareness of the appeal as well. So it's been largely a, um, a team effort. But also, like I say, um, it's also you know, the main people we need to thank are those who have contributed to the appeal, um, because without their donations, um, you know, we wouldn't be in this position where we're all helping people. So it's about reminding everyone that it's a collective effort, it's a collaborative effort from yeah. everyone involved. You know, where, you know, yes, okay, we're just the messengers, really. We've just put together this page and we're asking people to help. But at the end of the day, it's everyone involved, mm-hmm. and everyone's uh, got an important part to play. 
Yeah, absolutely. And why why is it important to you to be involved in, in projects like these, especially sort of at the moment during lockdown? I think it's important because, you know, there's a number of reasons why, but I think just, you know, being able to support people during these difficult times is really important. And, um, you know, I just feel that, you know, with me and my family, you know, we're in a position where we can and you know, we feel like we want to try and do something about it. I mentioned earlier that there was a family who came across to us and they needed help. And that's where it came from, where we thought, well, if there's one family here, then there may be, there may well be others out there who are struggling too. So, and that's where it came from, the motivation to want to try and do something. And, um, and fortunately, you know, like I said, you know, it's about engaging everyone else and mobilizing others in the community to come together and you know so it, we're not doing it for ourselves it's not you know to try and bang our own drum or anything like that it's yeah. simply because it's the right thing to do and we hope that others can also come together and do the same thing so yeah it's really heartening to hear that there's been such a such a positive response yeah it's been really positive and um and also what's been helpful is we've had media coverage as well mm-hmm. uh, so you know and that helps to raise awareness of the appeal Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And you mentioned your um, social media experience because you work in social media at the university. What was it that brought you to your role? Uh, it's been quite a, a long journey, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, I graduated uh, from Anglo Ruskin University in Cambridge in 2012. And mm-hmm. I come from a, an information security and forensic computing background. That's right, what I studied okay. there. So it's quite different to what I do now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, But I always had this interest in in media and journalism and also combining that with technology and um and i think straight after i graduated i did have some opportunities to do some broadcast journalism work with bbc radio cambridgeshire so that involved doing some freelance uh, voluntary work with them mm-hmm. and i think that's when i thought well you know surely there are ways of getting into media without necessarily having to even study media mm. but anyway um like i was saying it is an area of mine that i have always been very passionate about mm-hmm. I just love the idea of you know, being able to share your work with people and to be able to educate and motivate and inspire people. And I think one of the best things about being part of the university, I've been here since September 2019 working mm-hmm. in this role, but I love the prospect of being able to engage with people from around the world and to be able to share messages about educate people, to be able to share research and news that is actually having an impact on society and the way we live. And And I think particularly in these times, even more so with the pandemic and the lockdown and everything that's associated with that. But, um, but it's, it's been a very fascinating period. Of course, you know, we, we have to remember those who are, um, who are struggling, who have been affected, and our thoughts are with them, and we hope that uh, things get better, of course. But at the same time, you know, I feel that we've got a responsibility that comes with this, and you know, we hope that hopefully with the news and the updates that we are sharing with people across the world, that it is making some difference. Do you think it's um, your work's changed in any way since lockdown? Has it has it had an impact? It's um, a good question, Jenny. Uh, I think most of it is still very much the same. I think we're quite lucky because most of our work, well, majority of our work is internet based. So working on social media, as long as you've got internet access, then you can work wherever you like in the world. Uh, of course, some things are slightly different. Yeah. You miss things out like the body language of people. And mm-hmm. I think that's really important when, um, for example, like us being you know, working from home, 
you do miss out on some of those cues really but yeah. i think you know we have found our ways to adapt being at home it's there's a lot of distractions of course yeah. and um and also you know because I, I live with my family as well and although it's you know it's great to be with my family during this period at the same time you know when you're working you rather sort of be in that zone be in that space where you can focus properly mm. um so that i would say has been quite a challenge really but you know to be honest you know everyone's been very supportive because my mum also works from home um and we're just finding our ways just to uh balance things out but uh but yeah yeah you mentioned that there's multiple people sort of walking from home in your house do you ever have sort of battles for space or wi-fi <laughs> or has it been fairly peaceful <laughs> no it's been pretty good okay it's been pretty good um because I'm largely based in my bedroom, mm -hmm. um, which is now my office as well. And <laughs> yeah. I think, um, and I think that's the, probably the one thing that I guess may be quite frustrating for me is because I don't want to just be sat in my bedroom all that time. Mm -hmm. I would prefer to go downstairs and maybe just switch things around and work, work in different places. But I think because we have other people who are in this house, you also need to be accommodating for them as well. Mm. Um, there have been times when I sometimes would go out in the garden uh, and that's been quite nice. And I guess, um, you know, we've now got this gazebo tent now that's been set up in the garden. <laughs> oh, that's been quite nice to uh, to work in. Yeah. So, and also what I've been trying to do a lot more regularly because I live near the Cambridge Science Park, which is just around the corner from my house. So I do go out on my bike and I just go for a, a few laps around the, the science park. And it's very peaceful there because yeah. there's no cars around there at the moment. It's really quiet, and you might just see a few people jogging or also cycling. And there's just a very nice sort of nature reserve that's in the centre of the park as well. Oh, so it's a very nice place that's quite nice just to be able to reflect and to... Um, nice. You mentioned yeah. that you had um, sort of quite an interesting path from your initial degree in sort of information security to your role now. Are there any um, particular highlights from your from your career so far? Yeah, there's been quite a few. Um, I think, because um, I mentioned that I've done a few... Uh, sort of, I've had a few work experiences in media. Um, so it started off at BBC Radio Cambridgeshire, and then it led on to a few years down the line. I ended up doing something with ITV News um, at Wimbledon in the oh, 2017 cool. Championships. So wow. that was quite amazing, really. Yeah. And, um, and it's something I really enjoyed. I always wanted to go to Wimbledon as a tennis fan, but yeah. I just never had the opportunity to go. It's so difficult, as you would know, to get tickets. Yeah. So just to to actually be at Wimbledon was something else and uh, you know, to actually go there sort of behind the scenes and look at how things are done operationally um, and also yeah it did in some ways bring you a bit closer to the players as well yeah um, so just things like being able to sit in some of the press conferences so I remember when I was waiting for Andy Murray just to sit opposite me and then he was just a few yards ahead of me oh, wow. and he was just talking about the match where he'd just beaten uh, Dustin Brown, I think. So this was like quite early on in the fourth round. Yeah. But that was quite cool just to think like, wow, he's literally there in front of me. It's, yeah. This is the Andy Murray, the, you know, <laughs> yeah. that he was the Wimbledon champion at the time, I mean, the, the previous year. So yeah. that was quite cool. But, wow. um, but yeah, it just really, it was just quite a surreal experience, really. It's something I'll yeah. definitely remember for a long time. Yeah. What were you, what were you actually doing there? What was your role? I was a production assistant, so okay. I was just largely just helping them just to set up things and, and also just to follow the coverage. I was watching the coverage in a van just propped outside <laughs> of, uh, of Wimbledon. Yeah, we had our own van, which was set up uh, just outside the uh, outside SW19. Yeah. And um, and I was just sitting there just watching the coverage on the game. So, uh, so if mm -hmm. there's a particular highlight where something funny happened or maybe a key match point or yeah. you know, a key turning point in the game, those are the things that I was looking to highlight, and then I'd pass that on to the 
the film editors uh, who were in the van next door to us. Yeah. And then they were, and so everything was done pretty much there. So that was that was really fascinating just to be part of that. Mm. Um, but then uh, the year after that, um, another opportunity came up where I was working with ITV News Anglia. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was working as a production journalist and leading on their diversity initiative for the East of England. Oh, wow. I was basically tasked with trying to bring forward people from across the East of England who come from varying backgrounds and uh, from different communities as well, mm-hmm. just so that can be reflected in their news stories and in their programming um, that go out uh, every day, of course, in yeah. their news stories. Mm-hmm. So rather than it being someone who traditionally may have come from a, a white middle class background, yeah. now you've got someone who can also talk about the same issues, but might come from um, like from a black or Asian or background or working class background or just any other kind of background really mm. but as long as they're able to talk about these issues um, that's exactly the kind of um, context that they were looking for mm-hmm. so I was help- so I was largely there to help them um, to put those contacts together because of the work that I've been doing in media over the last few years and making lots of different connections so they were quite keen to tap into that and um, and today they're still using those contacts which is um, which is really good and, and I think yeah. we are seeing that in some of their news stories you know there is a, a mixture of people now uh, reflected in their news stories and uh, and hopefully that's something that um, doesn't just apply regionally but we, we want to see that across um, the country as well in in, uh, in all their um, in all news stories that go out I guess but yeah, um, but yeah that, that was a, a very good experience. Awesome and you am I right you run um, social media for Cambridge Central Mosque as a volunteer is that right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, I am the social media officer, which I do on a voluntary basis for Cambridge Central Mosque. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been doing the social media for quite a few years, actually. So this was when it was still in its project phase. So this yeah. was before the mosque was actually built. The mosque has only been open uh, since uh, March 2019. It was officially open the month after that. Um, but um, but for the many of those years, we were still in this phase of, of building it and doing a lot of fundraising so that did involve using social media to try and you know, share those messages about how we needed people's help from across the community to either donate or support whatever way they could but also just to capture its progress I think that was the key thing in those early stages but now since it's open um, things have obviously changed a lot more and um, you know we are learning a lot more about certain things that need to be done and even with social media that's been quite a fascinating area to um, to explore yeah, and I think, I, the experience, I think the experiences that I've had at the university, they've really helped me with in terms of how to you know, share ideas and how to educate people even internally within the mosque and then people across the world as well. Because um, the, the mosque actually has a global outreach because mm-hmm. of the support that it's had from people from from all over the world, really. So naturally, we've had so much interest in this project. So it's quite fascinating to be part of something that's not just a local thing. It's actually a global thing. Yeah. Uh, that's been really interesting and it's, it's really uh, it's just a privilege to be part of that yeah and have you found uh, that how you use social media particularly for the mosque has it changed during lockdown are you doing different things it has changed quite dramatically actually because uh, I think before the lockdown happened um, I don't think there was a huge like reliance on social media at the time. I think they had other priorities that they were looking to focus on. So things, I mean, which is understandable. You want things to be more physical, more face to face, you know, that kind of engagement. But um, but with the lockdown, of course, everything's been forced. Um, you know, we've been forced to work digitally, mm-hmm. essentially to work online. So we had to have a plan ready for Ramadan, for example. We needed content to go out every day. And I think overall, you know, since Ramadan has come and gone, uh, we have had a lot of 
um, positive responses really from the community. Mm. They really appreciated the content that we were sharing. And I think what was really nice to see was that, um, you know, because at this time people were looking for that spiritual guidance online. They couldn't mm. go to the mosques because they were closed. Um, they had to follow the government advice, of course, to shut down. Um, so where would people go? You know, because they couldn't go there to pray. They couldn't go there and like connect with the community face to face. And I think that's something that a lot of people missed during that period where they couldn't go out and meet their friends and family, yeah. uh, myself included. So you know, I think this was a very nice alternative in terms of where they could go online and still connect with the mosque. The mosque was still connecting with people mm-hmm. locally and around the world. Uh, and to be part of that really was, um, I felt was quite special. And um, you know, to know that you know, we are helping people. And it's not just the spiritual element. You're also looking at the community response that came from the mosque as well mm. with regards to COVID-19. Um, how was the mosque also helping the NHS? We had volunteers on the ground uh, who were basically delivering food parcels to Addenbrooke's Hospital and oh, Royal yeah. Papworth Hospital as well. Yeah. So, um, so that was really nice to be able to capture what they were doing and to share that widely with our audiences Mm. Um, and uh, we had a a really good response to that as well so so there's lots of different things involved it's not just the islamic perspective but it's also in terms of what is the most doing to cater for the community how is it what's it to help people from all faiths and none regardless of what background you are and um, so just to be part of that was um, was very important i think yeah Fantastic. And you mentioned earlier that your your family have quite a lot of connections within the community. Has your family been in Cambridge a long time? Yeah, we're um, largely born and raised here in mm-hmm. Cambridge. Um, that's where I've been for nearly 30 years. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you think I've given my age away now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, my mother is um, also Cambridge born and raised as well. And mm-hmm. she had um, she's got uh, two older brothers who are also born and raised here in Cambridge. Uh, so we were amongst um, the first like British Bangladeshi families that settled in the city. Uh, oh, it comes right. back down to when my late grandfather, uh, he came to Cambridge, or he came to the UK rather, in 1957. Mm-hmm. And then somehow he eventually settled in Cambridge. I think a job opportunity came here. Mm-hmm. And, and this all happened during the time when um, the UK was in this rebuilding phase after the Second World War. So mm-hmm. they were bringing in a lot of people from overseas to help restart the economy, yeah. just to get the country running again. Uh, and of course, a lot of people were able to settle uh, and remain in the UK. And my grandma, and my grandfather was one of them. And then later on, my grandmother came from Bangladesh. And at the time, Bangladesh was known as East Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until a few years later, in 1971, Bangladesh became independent. Uh, so my grandmother came in, and that's when uh, my mum and her older brothers, they were all born and raised in Cambridge. And so that makes me third generation mm-hmm. uh, British Bangladeshi. And uh, so we've got, we've got to see how much the community and how things have really evolved over the years, over those decades in Cambridge. Yeah. It's been quite amazing, really, um, to see how much things have changed, but, um, but hopefully all for the right reasons. Yeah. Do you feel like um, it is changing in a positive way? I think so, yeah. I think um, just living in Cambridge, really, is, I've always known it to be a very tolerant uh, city to live in, a very um, understanding, very diverse, very educated city. and. And I think that just comes down to the universities that we have and some of the best, even some of the best schools that we have in the country. Mm. Um, I think we're very, um, very fortunate to have um, such fantastic education institutions in the city. And, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I've always found it to be a very um, tolerant place to live in, um, a very diverse city as well. We've got people from so many different communities and backgrounds living in Cambridge. 
and it's just nice to get to meet these people and to connect with them and to learn about their cultures and their backgrounds and i think that you know that makes everyone's lives better because we're all learning and we all become very understanding and tolerant of each other uh and you know as I, as i was saying before it just helps to build a better society really um because when you have so many people from come from different walks of life you can only learn from each other and it just makes things a bit more richer i would say it makes life a lot more interesting absolutely yeah it's um it's a privilege to live in such an international city i think yeah absolutely um, so most of my immediate family are in Cambridge. Um, so I've got my, as I mentioned, my grandmother and my uncles here and some of my aunties are here as well. And um, and then we've also got um, other distant relatives as well. Uh, and the thing is with how our culture is in Bangladesh, even those who might be seen as very distant relatives, mm-hmm. they we almost treat them like they are our own blood. Mm-hmm. So people like who might be like a great uncle, for example, okay. they are still seen as being very close to you. Right. But those are the relatives that we have in Cambridge as well. And then we've got some in London. We've got some across the UK. Um, but I've got some of our relatives who I think are in America, who are in France. Uh, but most of them, like particularly on my dad's side, um, they're, they're still in Bangladesh as well. So, yeah, we're all kind of a bit all over the place, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, as I've said before, I've lived here all my life and mm. you know, we've got family, we've got our friends here. and. To me, Cambridge has always been home. That's it from us at We Are The University. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to head over to the iTunes store, Spotify or Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a five-star rating. I'm Jenny Hayward, and I'll see you next time.